0: Welcome to TanakhStudy.com. My name is Jonathan Snowbell, and we will begin today, Parashat Naso. Parashat Naso is the longest single parasha in the Torah, and uh, demands a little bit of attention out of how to break it up. There are very very detailed sections, and there are longer sections that have a lot of informa- a l- little bit of information, a lot of repetition, and appropriately in order to uh, split up our six lessons on the parasha in a logical manner. At times we will cover a lot of ground in the parasha without a lot of depth. And in other times we'll cover less ground, but with a lot more depth because a lot more explanation is necessary in order to understand the given section. So today we will begin, of course, from the beginning of the parasha. Of the beginning of the parasha is in the middle of the fourth chapter of Sefer B'midbar, beginning in Pasuk Kaf Aleph, verse 21, and completing the chapter, completing the Perek uh, at the end in Pasuk Memtet, verse 49. This is a long section, but is a section that is all one unit and all connected, and therefore will be given as one Shi'ur. We will begin by reading the Psukim and translating. The parasha begins in continuing what we already started in the previous parasha. In the previous parasha, we began with the commandment to count the sons of Kehat from the tribe of Levi, from the age of 30 till the age of 50. And the Torah continues this at the beginning of parashat Naso. V'yidaber Adonai el Moshe Lemor, Naso et rosh b'nei gerishon gamhem, lev'et avotam lemishpechotam. Then Hashem spoke to Moshe saying, Take a census of the sons of Gershon also, by their fathers' households, by their families. I'm noting the word Gamhem also because it shows us that this is a continuation of what we were doing in the previous parsha. Shana <laughs> Sava Avoda Moed. From 30 years and upward to 50 years old you shall number them all who enter to perform the service to do work in the tent of meeting zot avodat gerushuni laavod ulamasa this is the service of the families of Gershon to serve to serve and to carry Venase'u Etiri O tamishkan vet ohel mo'ed mikse'u u mikse'a takhasha she'ala milamala vet masach petach ohel mo'ed They shall carry the curtains of the Mishkan and the tent of the meeting with its covering and the covering of the takhash skin that is on top of it and the screen for the doorway of the tent of meeting Vet kal'ehachatzar vet masach petach shar hechatzar she'al alamishkan ve'alamesbeach saviv and the hangings of the court, and the screen for the doorway of the gate of the court, which is around the Mishkan and the Mizbeach, and their cords, and all the equipment for their service, and all that is to be done, they shall perform. Al-pi Aharon u'vanav, et kol avodat b'nehegei rishuni, l'chol mas'am, u'chol avodatam. Ufkadetem Alehem b'mishmeret et kol mas'am. All the service of the sons of Gershon in all their loads and in all their work shall be performed at the command of Aharon and his sons, and you shall assign to them as a duty all their loads. Zot avodat mishpechot b'nei gershoni mo'ed, u'mishmartam This is the service of the families of the sons of Gershon in the tent of meeting, and their duties shall be under the direction of Itamar, the son of Aharon, the Kohen. So we have just read about the census, the command to, to take a census of B'nai Gershon, the sons of Gershon, and their jobs, which are to carry the outer parts of the Mishkan and the outer parts of the courtyard around the Mishkan. This is to be complemented by what the sons of Merari will do, will do which we will read now. B'nai Merari, otam, avotam, as for the sons of Merari, you shall number them by their families, by their fathers' households. Note that by Bnei Merari, the term Naso does not appear. Somehow Bnei Merari are either considered different, or they're just con- considered a continuation of Bnei Gerashon. Mi <laughs> ben 30 shana shana tif kol et avodat ohel mo'ed from 30 years and upward, even to 50 years old, you shall number them, everyone who enters the service to do the work of the tent of meeting. V'zot mishmeret mas'am l'chol avodotam b'ohel mo'ed, karshei hamishkan u'verichav ve'amudav ve'adhanav. Now this is the duty of their loads for all their service in the tent of meeting, the boards of the tabernacle and its bars and its pillars and its sockets. V'amudei achatser s'aviv v'adnehem v'yitidotamu meiterehem l'chol k'lehem u'l'chol avodotam. U'v'shemot t'ifkidu et k'leyi mishmeret mas'am. And the pillars around the court, and their sockets, and their pegs, and their cords, with all their equipment, and with all their service. And you shall assign each man by name the items he is to carry. Zot avodat mishpachot b'nei Merari, l'chol biyad itamar ben Aaron hakohen. This is the service of the families of the sons of Merari, according to all their service in the tent of meeting, under the direction of Itamar, the son of Aaron, the Kohen. So b'nei Merari, they are carrying the heavy parts of the Mishkan. The wooden boards that make up the actual mishkan the walls of the mishkan the wooden beams that make up the courtyard around the mishkan they are working much harder we will read about this uh, or at least they're they're carrying much heavier items we will read about this at the end of parashat naso when we find out that the levim are given uh, agalot they are given carriages to help them carry transfer uh, the items of the Mishkan. Bnei Kahat will not receive any carriages. They will carry all of the Kalim on their shoulders. Bnei Gerishon will get two carriages, while Bnei Merari, who are carrying the heaviest load, will get four carriages. So now we've concluded the commandment to count Bnei Kahat in last week's parasha, and now Bnei Gerishon and Bnei Merari in this week's parasha, including A detailed description of the the jobs of each of those three families. Now, of course, we expect to read the fulfillment of the commandment of the census. We are now in (laughs) Pasuk Lamedal. So Moshe and Aaron and the leaders of the congregation counted the sons of of Kehat by their families and by their fathers' households. From 30 years and upward, even to 50 years old, everyone who entered the service for work in the tent of meeting. Their numbered men by their families were 2,750. These are the numbered men of the kehat families, everyone who is serving in the tent of meeting, whom Moshe and Aaron numbered according to the commandment of Hashem through Moshe. The numbered men of the sons of Gershon by their families and by their father's household. From thirty years and upward, even to fifty years old, everyone who entered the service for work in the tent of meeting. Their numbered men by their families, by their fathers' households, were two thousand six hundred and thirty. These are the numbered men of the families of the sons of Gershon, everyone who is serving in the tent of meeting, whom Moshe and Aharon numbered according to the commandment of Hashem. And now, Bnei Merari. Ufkudei mishpehot bnei Merari lemishpehotam levayt avotam, The numbered men of the families of the sons of Merari by their families, by their fathers' households. Mibin shloshim shana vama'ala ve'ad b'in chamishim shana kol From 30 years and upward, even to 50 years old, everyone who entered the service for work in the tent of meeting. Vayu fkudeim lemishpehotam shloshet Their numbered men by their families were 3,200. These are the numbered men of the families of the sons of Merari, whom Moshe and Aaron numbered, according to the commandment of Hashem through Moshe. And after counting the three families of the tribe of Levi, we will now continue to the summary all the numbered men of the Levim whom Moshe and Aaron and the leaders of Israel counted by their families and by their fathers' households. From 30 years and upward, even to 50 years old, everyone who could enter to do the work of service and the work of caring in the tent of meeting their numbered men were 8,580 and here we can say this time the math works when we add the three families together we get the individual numbers of the families together we get the same number as the sum that the Torah testifies to as opposed to what we saw in Parashat B'midbar and we explained what we explained then according to the commandment of Hashem through Moshe they were numbered everyone by serving or carrying. thus these were the, his numbered men just as Hashem had commanded Moshe as we mentioned at the beginning of the parasha Nassau begins with the words them too essentially telling us that Nassau begins in the middle of a story in this instance, we're breaking up the parsha in the middle of the commandment to count the levim from 30 to 50. Kahat was already commanded at the end of last week's parsha, and now we are beginning B'nai Gershon and B'nai Maria in this week's parsha, and we will complete the actual fulfillment of the counting as well. Furthermore, the commandment to count the family of Kahat is in Parashat Bemidbar, but the fulfillment to count them only takes place in Parashat Naso as opposed to the other tribes that both the commandment and the fulfillment took place in Parashat Naso. And furthermore, a secondary discussion regarding the breakup of the parashah internally is the breakup of the Aliyot. One tradition, the more common tradition used to break up the parashah on Shabbat has the second Aliyah beginning in verse 38. At the beginning of the fulfillment of the census of the sons of Gershon, only after the fulfillment of the census of the sons of Kehat. This break seems less logical on a content level. We're in the middle of actually counting the tribe of Levi. Why should we stop in the middle of counting them? However, it should be noted that it fits with the breaking up of the passages in the Torah, the Masoretic passages. As it takes place in the middle just at a passage break, a, what's called a parashas segura, a parashas tuma, a closed parasha. An opening that's closed that's closed in a line. Another tradition, one that's less common on Shabbat, but more common for the end of the Torah readings on Monday and Thursday, which usually is the end of the first Aliyah on Shabbat, has the section ending of verse has the section ending on at verse at the end of verse thirty three at the end of the commandment to count the three Levite families and before the fulfillment of counting them. This place seems more logical on a content level, dividing between the commandment and the fulfillment. However, in contrast, there here there is no passage break. Seemingly the end of the parasha and even more so the division of the Eliot, can be seen as somewhat arbitrary for convenience. If we added the counting of Kahat into Nassau, it would make the biggest parasha in the Torah even bigger. <clears throat> and if we took the first 29 psukim from Nassau and placed them in bimid- Parshat then Bimidbar would be an enormous parasha, perhaps even bigger than Nassau. Likewise and perhaps more so, the splitting up of aliyot seems to be random and have little significance. For example, in the middle of Yehuda's impassioned speech to Yosef at the beginning of Parshat VaYigash, in the middle of a clause in his in his statement, the aliyah ends shura and his soul is tied up to his soul. In Parshat VaYikra, the aliyot could have been organized by the by subdividing them according to the korbanot: an aliyah about olah, an aliyah about mincha, an aliyah about shlamim, etc. And such is apparently the Yemenite tradition. But the more common tradition has the Eliot splicing the Korbanot in the middle, joining two different Korbanot together into one Aliyah. It seems completely random. If this is the case, that both the splitting of the Eliot and the splitting of the Parshiot is somewhat random and arbitrary, and for convenience reasons, then this discussion is unnecessary, unfruitful and does not belong in this shiur which is dealing with understanding the Torah. However, if we want to look for some significance to the splitting up of the Parashot and Aliyot on a content level, then we see one unified answer to the two questions that we asked. Time and time again, there is an attempt to separate and exalt the family of Kahat to a status above the two other families. Gershon is the firstborn of Levi, but the choice son is Kehat. Moshe, the leader, is from Kehat. The Kehuna, the priestly responsibilities, go to Aharon and his sons, who are also from Kehat. Kehat are always mentioned first, and they are in charge of the vessels of the Mishkan, Kodesh HaKodeshim. That being the case, Therefore, the parshiot, the, parash- the the parashot, separate kahat from the other two. We have the the commandment to count kahat in parashat Bamidbar, the commandment to count the other two families in parashat Naso. Even the individual aliyot within Naso, and the masoretic passage passage breaks, support a separation and exaltation of kahat from the other two families. Therefore, in fact, there might be indeed significance both to the separation of the parshiot and the separation of the eliot if we look back at what we read and summarize it Gershon are carrying the uh, the curtains of the mishkan and Merari is carrying the boards of the mishkan now we've already determined that Kehat is more important than Gershon and Merari but it appears that Gershon is more important than Merari. A, because Gershon is the firstborn. And B, because Gershon does always appear before Merari. That being the case, can we make the following assumption? That the curtains of the Mishkan are more significant than the boards of the Mishkan. If if we look back to Sefer Shemot, we'll see that the curtains are considered the Mishkan itself whereas the boards are supporting the Mishkan et mishkan eser after the Torah tells us about the vessels of the Mishkan which are the most important then the Torah tells us about the building of the Mishkan what is the Mishkan? the Mishkan is eser Yiriot, the curtains of the Mishkan subsequently the Torah tells us ve'asita Takrashim, la-Mishkan you shall make the boards For the Mishkan, to serve the Mishkan. This being the case, the ceiling of the Mishkan is the main part of the Mishkan, whereas the walls of the Mishkan are secondary. This is similar to what we know in the Mitzvah of Sukkah. In the Mitzvah of Sukkah, we need both Shach and walls to the Sukkah, but the the laws of Shach are much more crucial. They are much more central, and the sukkah is called after the main component, i.e. the Now, When we compare the languages used for Kehat and Gershon and Merari, they seem very similar, but they're slightly different. And we'll, we'll try to attempt to understand these differences. By Kehat it says, kol Latzava la la'asot mo'ed. By Gershon it says, litzvo tzavah, laavod avodah, be moed. And by Mirari it says, lit tzava, la tzavah, kolaba la laavod et avodat ohel moed. Subsequently, zot, by Kehat it says, zot avodat benekehat Kehat ohel moed, kodeshah kodashim. Kodash by Gershon it says, zot avodat mishpechota Gershoni laavod ule masah. And by Merari it just says, vizot mishmeret masah. Going back to what we said previously, Kehat is more exalted. The term Avodah apparently is not enough to describe what they do, carrying the vessels, the holy vessels of the Mishkan. Therefore, the term La'asot Melecha is used, a term that we use for Shabbat, a term that we use in building the Mishkan. It's a more powerful term than just Avodah, work. Mirari's job apparently seems to be only transferring the parts of the Mishkan. Thus... It only says, Zot Mishmeret Masa'am, what they have to carry. However, in describing Gershon, there seems to be two jobs. La'avod, ule masa. Masa is what is detailed in the next psukim. What does he carry transfer? But then the word la'avod, which seems to be extraneous, and it doesn't seem to be that Masa is explaining because there's a vav in the middle, la'avod masa, and to carry. The Ibn Ezra was sensitive to this additional unexplained word. And he explains that the word la'avod means lehakim ha-mishkan, to establish the mishkan v'la'asot ha-lechem, to make the bread, the lechem ha-panim, the showbread, v'lishchot, to slaughter, v'lishmor, and to guard. This is a surprising explanation. Establishing or putting up the Mishkan can be understood based on the verses later in Bemidbar, In chapter 10, verses 11 to 28, the Torah describes the actual traveling of the camp of Bnei Israel. After the camp of Yuda traveled, the families of Gershon and Merari traveled and took with them the various elements of the Mishkan. Then the camp of Reuven traveled, followed by the family of Kehat, who were of course transferring the holy vessels of the Mishkan. With regard to Kehat, the Torah says, The Mishkan had to be reestablished by the time Kehat arrived with the holy vessels, so that the holy vessels could be immediately placed into their place with no delay. However, according to these verses, then, it was both Gershon and Mirari who arrived first in advance who reestablished the Mishkan, not just Gershon as is implied by the extra word with regard to Gershon. Furthermore, with regard to this explanation of the Ibn Ezra, how he decided that specifically the Leviim, or specifically the the sons of Gershon, did these other tasks to make the bread, to slaughter, and not the Kohanim themselves, seems unclear. The final job of Lishmor, to watch, seems to be a task shared by all of the Leviim in guarding the Mishkan, from all sides, as it says in the first chapter of Bemidbar, Pasuk 53, The Leviim will camp around the Mishkan, and the Leviim will watch, guard, keep guard around the Mishkan. This relates, of course, to what we have previously mentioned. We mentioned already in last week's parasha, but this also appears in this aliyah, these two aliyot, that with regard to the work of the Levi, the Torah uses the term, kol haba kol using military, an army term, which is similar to what we heard about B'nai Yisrael, kol but, but the Levim are not doing a military duty. And here we must say, in the context of guarding the Mishkan, that we have two types of guard duty. We have an army, which is duty is to protect the people from the outside, from outside enemies, that's B'nei Israel, as they serve in the army from 20 years and older, but then we have the Levim who are also in the army, they are also protecting, but they are protecting the Mishkan from within, that B'nei Israel should not go into the Mishkan unwarranted. Going back to this extra word, La'avod, ulamasa, the Chizkuni explains that the word La'avod, refers to taking apart and reconstructing the Mishkan, while the word ulamasa refers to the act of carrying it. This too is not meant to be unique to the, to the, to the sons of Gershon, as the Chizkuni repeats this explanation on the verse towards the end of our section when summarizing the numbers and tasks of the entire tribe of Levi. Once again, there is something extraneous in this verse. Avodat Masa refers to the broader context of what we are talking about here, the transferring of the Mishkan from one location to the other. But what is Avodat Avodah? So the Chizkuni repeats his comment that it refers to taking apart and reconstructing the Mishkan. De'Ibn Ezra references his earlier comment about what he said, uh, establishing the Mishkan and making the bread and, and, and slaughtering. Rashi here on this last later pasuk, adds a new comment that will also shed light on the meaning of la'avod earlier in the parasha. He states, what is avodat avodah? He hashir b'mitzeltayim b'chinorot. In other words, Rashi refers to a broader, more well-known Levite obligation of playing instruments in the Mikdash. When the Mishkan reaches a resting place in Eretz Yisrael, the Levim have no job to transfer the Mishkan from one location to another. But they retain an instrumental musical role in the mikdash that we are more familiar with from Hayom Yom Rishon B'Shabbat Shebo HaYuavim Omrim Bevet HaMikdash, the song that the Levim sang in the mikdash. This explanation seems also to deny a specific role to Bnei Gershan. So we've managed to explain that there are more than one role of the Levim. The Levim have a job to transfer transfer all the parts of all the different elements of the mishkan as we've read in these psukim and that's what is mainly highlighted in these psukim but the torah is alluding to other jobs of Levim as well more explicitly the torah has alluded more mostly in parashat Midbar to their role as guarding the mishkan and we've seen here other ideas the fact that they build the mishkan and then take it down which is more intuitive and but the, the Ibn Ezra has expanded it to making the bread, to slaughtering, which are more surprising roles. And Rashi also has attempted to tell us that the Torah is already alluding to the fact that the Levim play musical in, uh, instruments in the Mishkan. And that's already alluded to in our parasha. This is not explicit in the Pesukim, but this is Rashi's interpretation of an extraneous term that we found in the Pesukim. So we've completed uh, the section on the census of the Levim and their jobs. And in tomorrow's section, we will move on in the parasha to some more detailed analysis of understanding the camp and a surprising move back to the world of Korbanot, which seems to be related to uh, Sefer Vayikra, but appears in our parasha nonetheless.